The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to episode one of the Talk of the Two, a Newcastle United podcast. My name is Will and I'm joined here by my good pals and co-hosts, Hodgie, say hello. Hello. And Gray, say hello, Gray. Hello, how are you doing? I will love it if we beat them. Love it. We are three Geordies here to talk about football. Let's kick off. Hodge, tell us your first memory of Newcastle. My first memory is when Gordon Strachan was the manager at Coventry and they came to Newcastle and he just shouted like swear words for the whole game. <laughs> that was with my granddad. I didn't know what year that was though. Gordon Strachan managed Coventry? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Coventry. Yeah, Coventry City, 96 to 2001. Fuck man, you were four. Yeah. Well, my earliest memory is actually, we've talked about it before, Hodge, is going to the 1998 FA Cup final against Arsenal. But I vividly remember far too many of us packing into a people carrier and driving <laughs> all the way from Newcastle down to Old Wembley. I was six at the time, so unfortunately probably just a little too young to take in the full atmosphere and the, the experience of being at Old Wembley. But at least I can say I've been there. And I was there to watch Newcastle United. The result didn't quite go our way. Do either of you remember what the result was in the 1998 FA Cup final? Well, we didn't win. No, that. 2-0 to Arsenal. It was 2-0. Well done, Hodge. Well, technically you're both right. Yeah, we didn't win and we lost 2-0. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I know I've probably said this before, but Gray, you answer this one. Who was man of the match in that game? Oh, he's thinking. I have no idea. Um... You definitely asked that question before as well. I think they call him the Romford Pele. His nickname is the Romford Pele. And he's an absolute pisshead on Twitter now. Posting videos of him just drinking all the time. Right, he played centre of the park for Arsenal. English. The Romford Pele. Ray Parler. Ray Parler. Bang on. Well done, lad. Well done. Any um, any guesses for who the scorers were in that game? A young Nicholas Anelga. Correct. Only because we were talking about this the other day. <laughs> I'll edit that bit out so it makes it sound like you're just really good at football knowledge. Can't remember the other one. Was it Mark Overmars or something like that? It was Mark Overmars. Oh, it was. Hang on. It was, yeah. I knew he scored originally and I, I remember that one properly. First five positions of Arsenal's team, all Englishmen. David mm. Seaman, Lee Dixon, Martin Keown, Tony Adams, Nigel Winterburn and then Ray Parley. Oh yeah, we were talking about this the other day, weren't we? What a team, what a team that was. Yeah, that was an excellent team. Ian Wright sat on the bench. I think that was maybe his twilight years, actually, though. I think it was towards the end. 
probably still a bit of a baller. Who was Newcastle United manager? Dalglish. Ooh, Dalglish, yeah. It was Dalglish, well done, lads, yeah. Shall we guess Newcastle United's starting at 11? Ooh, that's a good one. Oof, Christ. Uh, Being goal. Pavel Sernicek. No, he's actually not that old a goalkeeper. He'll be the Newcastle United goalkeeper we remember growing up. Shea Given. Shea yeah. Given, correct. Must have been quite young then. Let's carry on with the team. We had an Italian right back, number 23. No idea. What might you have in a car engine? Goes up and down. Piston. Pistone, Pistone. Pistone, yeah. yes, lads. We had two centre-halves. Uh, one was Greek, one was English. Uh, Nikos Davizas. Yeah, Davizas. <laughs> he always had something wrong with his wrist, didn't he? He always had a bandage on he his wrist. He always wrist. wore that bandage, yeah. Yeah. That's so weird. The other centre half, English, he's from Scumderland. Unfortunately, for his sins. Don't know. Um, I don't know. Stephen Norman. Oh, Steve Howie. Howie. Steve Howie. Our left back is a bit of a rogue one. Dalglish was a fan of bringing in older players in their twilight years. Left back, his nickname is Psycho. Someone just say Stuart Pierce. Stuart Pierce. Ah, it is Stuart Pierce. Well done. I'm glad I'm not getting most of this stuff right because I was what six or seven at the time, like yeah. looking up to Stuart Pierce as my number one player. <laughs> I want to be like him. Um, right, you should get this one. I think right mid wasn't a typical right midfielder. He's usually playing right back. Warren Barton. Well done. Yeah, Warren Barton, centre Barton. Gray's got the fucking team up on his screen, doesn't he? I don't actually. No, no. I remember watching Warren Barton play for years. Well done. Centre mid, we've got two centre mids. One was Robley. Yeah. Had to be Robley. Right, the other centre mid, number four. His surname is also a slang term for an arse or, or a bottom. David Batty. Yes, David Batty, straight in there. Uh, left mid, Welsh legend, unfortunately no longer with us. Gary's Speed. Gary's Speed. Oh, nice. Speedo. Rest in peace, yeah. Gary Speed. Up front, we had. An absolute lunatic. Tamuri Katsbaya. Tamuri Katsbaya. Yeah. Yeah, Tamuri Katsbaya is the one. Kicking the uh, Hordens in. Didn't we have a player called like Andres Andersson or something, the blonde Swedish lad? I used to, I loved him because he wore a headband. I was like, yeah, look at him, man. <laughs> he was a 73rd minute substitution, came Ooh, onto the so pitch he for. I uh, came on for Stuart Pierce. So we were down 2-0. He was going so he for took Pierce off and he, uh, he brought Anderson on, yeah. Uh, and then, obviously, last but not least, by no means least, uh, the most famous player to ever wear the number nine shirt. Shearer. Alan Shearer. Alan Shearer. And there we go. That completes the starting 11 of the 1998 FA Cup final. Your earliest memory. Oh. That is my earliest memory, yeah. yeah. Not a, a bad memory. A little will. A little willy. <laughs> right. <laughs> Gray, do you want to complete the triangle? Let us know your earliest Newcastle United memory. Well, I remember the first game I ever went to was uh, Newcastle United versus Bradford City in 2000. We won 2-1. Wow, glamorous. Uh, sat up in the gods in level 7 with my dad. The heavens, the heavens. and my god, it felt high. I used to have a, a season ticket up in, uh, in level 7 as well. Um, we were then very much upgraded... And we got some season tickets in the Gallagher end, which I can tell you is a huge improvement. Don't think I'd ever I don't think I'd ever sit in any of the stand now. The Gallagher's just 
an awesome place to watch a, a football match. We had that real sweet spot where we were like slap bang in the middle. So the, the view from our seats was, was ideal. It was perfect. Okay, competition time. You've heard our first memories. We would like to hear yours. And to sweeten the deal, we're even going to throw in a free retro Newcastle United shirt for the person that submits the best memory, in our opinions. To be in with a chance of winning the shirt, simply email us with your memories at info at or send us your memory via Twitter at tottpodcast. Good luck! And Dabizas! Dabizas has scored! Instant hero! All right, so it's actually been a bit of a quiet week for uh, for takeover news. It makes a bit of a nice change. The big elephant in the room. I've not actually heard that much by way of takeover news this week. Last week there was talk that it would be completed this week. That obviously hasn't materialised. The week before and the week before. I don't know what the next step is. I don't know where this ownership and directors test is or what what stage it's at. But uh, yeah, it's, it seems to have all gone a bit quiet. It's probably because the Premier League furloughed all their staff while they're having it go. All the football clubs are furloughing <laughs> yeah. all their staff. Probably, uh... <laughs> yeah, they, uh, they furloughed the worker who opens all the post. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the mail room has just been furloughed. <laughs> Um, but but seriously, have you guys? I think that's that's about where we're up to. I've, I've kind of heard that the Saudis are getting a bit impatient with it, and they've they've had like backup plans to maybe just look at, look at going to like Roma or another club. They're investing in everything, aren't they? At the minute, the Saudis. Um, they are investing so. in a lot in a lot of things. Well, I've been watching lots of YouTube videos, such as Life in Lockdown, and there's this term sports washing Aye. being bandied around. The shaky kind of history. Saudi Arabia has with ethics mm. and human rights law and stuff. There's this talk that this is a bit of a ploy by the public investment fund led by Mohammed bin Salman and his public investment fund to kind of go out there, buy a football club, just turn it into a huge success story to, to almost distract from what's going on back in Saudi Arabia. I understand people's concerns with it and yet obviously it's it's a kind of a bit of a humanitarian problem but at the same time it, the, the purchase I think needs to be looked at in a different way such as it's football isn't related to the world if that comes to sense like people try and use it as a bit of an escapism uh, it's not the platform to be bringing up no, human rights I, I, laws I, I, is it? I don't like, think so I think once getting certain stars to maybe say stuff about stuff and, and using it for campaigns like kicking racism out of football blah 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 all that stuff I think it's really good but Aye. to kind of use football as a bit of a, a medium for really pushing that I don't really see the best way for it because it is it is a bit more of an escapism from real life for some people like it's a whole Saturday for people through through the eyes of a selfish Geordie I'm thinking we've had 13 years of absolute mm. shite please please do not fuck this up for yeah. us now I think to be fair one it's it wouldn't be Newcastle without a little bit of controversy, would it? Mm. So, kind of... That's true. It would, yeah, it would almost be boring if it was a straightforward takeover. But also... I think you've hit the nail on the head. I also think we've got to give the uh, Premier League some credit because it sounds like they're assessing takeover in terms of football. They're not looking at all the political instability and things that's going on in Saudi Arabia. They're not giving in to all the outside pressure. It's because they, they want the money as well. They want the money and the revenue that this could be potentially bring for them you know what i mean well i saw i saw something as well like there's a huge base of young professionals in saudi arabia Mm -hmm. but there's no real football for them there so this is a good way of them kind of tapping into the most lucrative and most exciting league in the world really as long as they don't stream it for free (laughs) by parroting it off the uh... (laughs) allegedly allegedly 
allegedly. <laughs> I saw I saw a good tweet the other day. Cracked me up. It said, "Mad that the Queen and Theresa May can have our new owner round for tea, but me, a brickie from Gateshead, and the rest of the NUFC fan base are the ones who need to tackle the Saudis on their human rights record." <laughs> it then said, "Okay, media, let me stick in a week's holiday, and I'll get cracking." <laughs> but it does it does it does raise a point again, and we're looking through kind yeah. of very biased and very selfish eyes. If it's morally wrong, then by all means stop it but if they have the means and the funds to run a football club successfully invest in the region and you know grow our economy grow the profile of Newcastle United football club and ultimately grow the profile of the Premier League all over the world then surely it's going to be a no-brainer and a green light from the, the FA and from the Premier League would Richard Keyes kick up such a fuss if it wasn't Newcastle oh, I hate that man I just hate that man so much. Who's he to talk about morals with his shaky background and the things him and his, <laughs> his pal Andy Gray have basically yeah. done to the world of football? Are they both in Qatar doing Qatari football punditry or something? I think they anchor this being... Is it being? Is that the name Be of the stage? Sport, yeah, yeah whatever, sport, whatever it is. Yeah. They anchor a programme there. Yeah. How they, how can, they can be the voice of, of morality. Mm. <laughs> they can tell us what's right and wrong. There was a good thing that came out, and I, I thought it was kind of funny a little bit. And I had um, Kevin Phillips, the, the Mackham guy, and he was like... The Mackham guy. <laughs> well, yeah, he is. <laughs> but he, he was saying something like, good, good on Newcastle a little bit. Like, and yeah, it would be good to make people jealous of the Northeast. And he says it doesn't really matter what team it is kind of up here. Like, it's, it's an area that has been kind of kicked back for a lot of years and has always kind of been put on the back burner. But if something good happens, then the, the South and everywhere else go... Well, how, how are they getting that type thing? And there'll yeah. always be a bit of a kickback. Yeah, I think uh, we're we're the forgotten. We're like that forgotten corner of the Premier League, aren't we? Really, I mean, there's no one really until you get down to Manchester or Burnley at the minute. Isn't it? Burnley, Sheffield. Oh yeah, Sheffield. Yeah, Sheffield. But in terms of the northeast, it's such a huge area with a very big population, and we're the only Premier League club. And the yeah, only well, Premier League club for the foreseeable as well. Get in. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, unless Middlesbrough uh, have a smashing remainder of the season or whenever that does happen, that or happens, unless yeah. they have a good season next season. But I don't see that happening. South Shields, um, South Shields. were on on course for promotion, but they've, they're going to be cancelling their league, aren't they? Promotion to the Premier League? That's a big step. No, to the... To the, to the <laughs> That's a great um, season. What are they... What are they <laughs> Is it, it's not Evo Stick, is it, or something? But they they were going to move up into the kind of Premier Division of yeah the National um, League, the kind of North South Divisor. It was going yeah, so National is League. Is the conference stuff, yeah. still a thing? That's uh, the Vanarama yeah. thing in it. But is it still a thing? Is that like Gates the one? Head, is that the one below League Two? Below League Two, I. Uh, you mentioned yeah. Gateshead. Who is the current manager of Gateshead Football Club? Mike Williamson. Uh, okay. Someone's a bit of a smart Alec. I knew that, knew that, knew that one already, man. Okay. I've actually played on um, on their pitch. Like it's immaculate. It's council run as well, but it's absolutely immaculate inside the stadium. You get your hot dog sausage in the burger bun. So on the topic of a takeover, what's the one thing you'd like to see changed once a takeover's gone through and you've got the new owners in place? 
I think putting something in towards the youth development, we need to have a real turnaround of talent produced from inside our own club, I think, um, especially for certain rules for the Premier League and, and certain competitions that you need to follow by doing that as well. But I think that's that's number one. Look at teams like Man City bringing people through, like Phil Foden, class player. I know we've got the long staffs and stuff, but in terms of consistency levels, I think they are very up and down. They'll have maybe two games in a row where they'll be class. I think we fucking answer controversial as well. It's what I, it's what I've always kind of yeah. thought. We're quite we've all got quite similar views on on, on that. I think Will, do you want to add in? Oh uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more strongly. But I reckon it's probably the only thing they can do at the minute proactively because we don't know what's going to happen. Obviously, the Bundesliga is back up and running this mm-hmm. weekend. But I don't know if any of you's watched it. It's very very strange to watch a football match with an empty stadium. What's really interesting is hearing the players like shouting at each other and hearing the coaches on the sidelines shouting at the players. Really weird. I think that's class, man. Yeah, yeah be, I think it'd be really interesting to see. I would love to have in the Premier League referees mic'd up. Oh, yeah. yeah have you yeah. ever seen the video of the uh, Australian referee? They've actually done it in the A-League. And yeah. it's so interesting, yeah, because he calls all the players by like their first names and things and it's like their mates. But it would shut players up from like swearing and stuff because they'll know they're being taped. I, th- I think, to be fair, something needs to happen because the amount of yeah. dissent and things that gets thrown at a referee is, is actually disgusting. While you kind of, you still want players to have that bit of like fights about them. But then it's like, you look at rugby, players still have that aggression built into them. Yeah, and it's true. just, be, it's almost probably ingrained into their nature mm-hmm. though. I think rugby's a, it's it's a lot more discipline, football. isn't it? It's respect. So, it's respect from a very early age you learn in, mm-hmm. in rugby. I don't think it's the same in football. Anyway, I digress. I got off topic there. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with Hodge. I think youth development is a very sore point for a lot of Newcastle fans. I think we've got such big talent in the area. Football mad region. You have hundreds of thousands of kids growing up that, you know, their their dream is to play for Newcastle United. We've had the talent throughout the years, but it's all gone elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Michael Carrick probably is the player in my mind that sticks out the most uh, mm-hmm. recently obviously yeah. went on to have huge success and anchor of the Manchester United midfield we need to be keeping those players and developing them and giving them the the resources they need to develop in a team that's going to go on and compete secondary point is what else can we be doing in this season we'll probably just have to wait until the season ends because then the transfer market will open there's probably a lot they can do in the area they'll pump a lot of money into the local economy but i've seen pictures and i've seen a lot of youtube videos talking about dire training facilities and our poor youth development network or system poor youth development program i think a lot can be done basically what rafa wanted isn't it it's exactly what rafa wanted here what is siri doing Hi Siri. Hi Siri. Welcome, welcome <laughs> to the group. Yeah, basically what Rafa wanted. Yeah. I think uh, something which should be really interesting to see is I was watching a uh, class of '92 on Amazon Prime oh, yeah. the other day, uh, and one of the big things that apparently Alex Ferguson brought into Man United was the scouting network, and I think that's probably an area where we've actually lacked a sense of direction. Um, we've seemed to splash out. Fair, fair amount of money on some some players who don't seem to fit the bill in Newcastle United. Um, Example? There's a, Bra- there's a Brazilian forward who was <laughs> allegedly signed for £40 million in the summer. You couldn't possibly be talking about our record signing, could you? <laughs> I think it's a bit different because at the like you've, you've talked about, yes, paying over the odds, but at the start of Ashley's kind of reign, reign he was bringing terror. in some really good players for like cheap like Goufram was way worth more than what 750 grand that were paid for him 
Sissoko. Aye, but he played most of his good football in the championship the, goof run. Yeah, but yeah, there is there is that. Like you're talking about the direction. Like Ashley, Ashley was only ever wanting to buy players to sell. We need yeah. to have buy players for the players to play and perform and and have that drive. I mean, look at look at some of the players Alan Pardew signed. He ended up playing half of them out of position. Yeah, true. Why, like, why, why would he sign? Jon Gufrin is probably a very good example. He was brought in as a winger, very exciting, quick winger, and he went from playing up front to midfield, played fullback for a spell. And just like you can't have a player like him who who just doesn't get his chance in his preferred position. And we seem to have a habit of signing wingers and playing them out of position, yeah. and wingers who don't necessarily have a great end product. Apart from Matt Ritchie, but he's morphed into a fullback with age, hasn't he? We've got more exciting wingers, but he can fill that role of left wing back, which is, I think, what we're looking for at the minute. He's got the perfect personality for that position because he just he works and works and works and works and works, which is what you need. If there's a player that gives a hundred ten percent every single week, it's him. I'm glad he's on a new contract. To be fair, like I know it's I know we're probably not going to get that many more years out of him, but I think to just lock him down and have have him there just as a backup he brings passion as well he brings real passion and he's a great set piece taker as well on the topic of signings and contracts and whatever who is your favorite signing of the ashley era i know it's a bit of an open-ended question so think about it (sighs) under the ashley era i love asm i think he's great crack banter i think he's got a good bit of skill and good bit about him Needs to work on maybe he's just shooting a bit, like because he's a bit sometimes a bit erratic. I just love watching him take the piss <laughs> out of Premier League footballers. It's just amazing how he just manages to sneak balls through people's legs and trickery. And I think it's I think he's a great player. Want to see more? Yeah, I say again. I think we've signed some incredible French players in the past. ASM's well up Kabay. there. By him, Johan Kebab. <laughs> first couple of seasons, I thought he's outstanding. Free kick against Manu. I remember that game. One 0 win. That was an excellent. Yeah, game. some of the goals he scored as well he was good I wish we'd see more of like Tovan I thought he was a decent little player he's, just he's not gone on enough. to do well in France but I think doing well in France is very different mm. to doing well in any other league in Europe yeah yeah. and I think that's the same with quite a few of the French players we signed we had like Sylvain Marvo, who is supposed to be the next best thing coming through France and he just didn't seem to get his opportunity do you remember um, a player called Roman Amilfatano yes I do yeah Talk about bad signings. Can you remember, like, Claudio Casapa or whatever his name oh, was? He wow. was pretty poor as well, wasn't he? I'm pretty sure he played in the same team as another one of our worst signings. He played in the same team as Michael Owen, who probably goes down mm-hmm. as one of my least favourite players to ever wear a Newcastle United shirt. Especially after some of the comments that came out in his, uh, his autobiography oh, or whatever mate, it was as yeah, well. Yeah. I don't want to talk about that. That just pisses me off. <laughs> That's definitely another podcast worthy that. <laughs> Absolutely. Maybe we'll just dedicate one to the two short men that have tried to ruin your casting night. <laughs> yeah, Michael yeah. Owen and Dennis Wise. <laughs> yeah, I'm down for that. Anyway, we'll leave that for we'll another day. We'll get angry day. one week. it will be good stress relief, I reckon. Another tricky, skinny French winger that didn't really make the cut was uh, Remy Cabea. Remy Cabella. Cabea. Remy Cabella. Yeah. He had some, uh, some fancy hair, didn't oh, he? He must have gone through so much brill cream every single week. <laughs> <laughs> it was pristine, wasn't it? Like... Never had a ball. If you like, tap that with a hammer, it would just smash like glass. Shatter, yeah. <laughs> Brittle hair. Best French winger, I think, was signed in my time, other than Alain Saint Maximin, would be Hatem Ben Arfa, who was just yeah, mercurial. Was a different gravy, wouldn't he? 
He was a game changer. Those goals he scored when he picked the ball up in, in our own half, and was it against was it Bolton? Oh. And I can't remember who the second one was, but he just he just carried it for about sixty yards and slotted it in. Like Blackburn was the one that yeah, we saw yeah, in the FA Cup when he ran down the far side, and we every, everyone was going pass, pass, yeah. <laughs> shoot, shoot. <laughs> when he got like closer and closer, and that was a cracking goal. Like I remember yeah. watching his first goal. Actually, was it when he was on loan, or was it when we made it permanent? That goal against Everton. When he picked it up in the middle of the park and he faffed around with it for a yeah, little bit, I was like, class. "Oh, where's he going here?" But then an absolute thunderbolt. Oh yeah, it was great was first goal. Out. Did he not get injured in that game as well? Oh no, it was against Man City. He got injured because he got didn't Nigel De Jong just stamp his leg and break his. Got a poor track record of hurting people, ankle, doesn't he, Nigel De Jong? Do you remember the uh, the World Cup final against Spain mm. when he uh, kicked Xabi Alonso in the chest? <laughs> yeah. I think in that game, in that same Everton game, Czech Teote might have registered a hundred percent pass succession rate. Wow, one um, pass was it? <laughs> yeah, either that or they're all yeah. going five foot and they're directly next to you. Scott um, Parker so I'm style. Not sure how impressive that is, Scott Parker. I wish he'd had more of a chance. He did nothing but pass the ball sideways and backwards. Did you see his face when he got given the uh, Intertoto Cup certificate when he thought he was going to get a trophy and he got given a certificate and he was like, oh, <laughs> he was not happy. Anyone would be disappointed being given a piece of paper after working your <laughs> arse off to get there, ending up with a piece of paper. Two players, Toyota, Ben Afra, Yohan Kebab. So I don't think there's any real updates at the minute as we speak. Um, we'll keep you updated as we hear the news ourselves. Just let like to point out, we are not journalists, so we have no inside information. Oh, yeah. This is just this is just what we see on Twitter and what people write about. Some could call it hearsay. Uh, hearsay. <laughs> yeah, a lot of hearsay. We're, we're gossip mongers. We're just relaying to you what we're reading on Sky Sports, BBC News, Twitter, the most reliable source of information. <laughs> yeah, as Hodge says, Up we're there not Wikipedia. Yeah. We're not journalists, we'll just try and relay things. Another aim of our podcast is to reach Newcastle United fan bases and fan groups all across the world. Newcastle United, as we've seen doing a quick Twitter search, has fan groups all over the place. We've seen ones in Canada, seen ones in India, uh, the USA, literally wherever you can imagine there's a Newcastle United fan group. We'd really like to get their opinion or get your opinion if you're listening. It's important to hear the thoughts of fans all across the world. So yeah, a big aim of ours is just to extend a bit of a line of communication. If you have any thoughts or you have any feelings or you want to get in touch, it'd be great to speak to you. Feel free to get in touch with us. Uh, it'd be really interesting to hear how you support Newcastle United around the world. You can let us know by emailing info at tottpodcast.co.uk. We look forward to hearing from you. Very nice. Thanks for that, Alex. And what about Twitter, Hodge? You can find us at tottpodcast on Twitter. Nice, there you go, there's our plugs. Yeah, please do get in touch. We'd love to hear your thoughts. We'd love to get your feedback. This is obviously episode number one. We're very much learning as we go, so we'll take any feedback, good or bad. Although I can't guarantee we'll react to any bad feedback in a particularly polite or nice way. <laughs> I like that. Right. I think that's enough on the takeover at the minute. As I say, we'll keep you updated as we go, as we find out new information. But I think it'll be good to get on to another topic. So I've got a question for you guys. Oh, yeah. Only two Newcastle managers have managed more than 28 Premier League games under Ashley. Can you name the two? And there is one that has managed, I think, exactly 28. 
Um, well, I think Alain Pardieu is going to be one of them. Indeed. Yeah. So Pardieu is the longest serving with 155. Jesus, that's depressing, isn't it? Wasn't Alan Pardieu coming out the third longest reigning manager in uh, the Premiership at one stage? Yes, he was. He yeah. was. It says yeah. a lot about this state of football. Behind who, though? So Wenger and um, Fergie, surely. Uh, was that not after Fergie had retired? Oh, is it post-Fergie? So Mourinho's got to be up there. Mourinho or uh, Pochettino or something like that. The other one, so it's just Premier League games, more than 28 Premier League games. Well, surely the other one must be uh, the man himself, Rafa Benitez. Indeed. So he had 53. The next highest, who do you think it is, with 28? Is it Steve McLaren? It is Steve McLaren, yes. Yeah, he was given, I remember him being given far too long. Just think Ashley didn't want to look like a tit. The next highest has 25. Sam Allardyce. No. Did... Mike Ashley inherit oh, yeah, Sam Allardyce. Yes, he did. And he's got a 100% winning record with England. 25 games. Oh, um, well, it can't be Chris Hewton. It is. He had 25 throughout his total three spells at the club. Chris Hewton? Yeah. Well, I didn't realise he had games in the Premiership. Yeah, he didn't get sacked straight away when he got promoted as well. Did he? Oh, did he not? Okay. We were supposed to be playing Liverpool today, apparently. That was going to be a loss, wasn't it? At home. Second last game of the season, wasn't it? That's so crazy. When did they say they were bringing the Premier League back? Uh, they said it could start as soon as June. June. Like June the 15th or something like that, they said it could return. Steve Bruce was kicking off because uh, he said there's not enough time for players to get up to match speed. Surely they're being keeping very fit. Like I think there was a story out saying that Shelby's absolutely tearing everyone a new one in the fitness challenges. Yeah, I heard that as well. Yeah, he's been... Um, he's stepped it up. He's... But he spent a lot of time at home. He's living with his his like immediate family and also his brother-in-law. So I think there's like 20 people in their house or something. But he's been taking it like quite seriously, this uh, this training, because he wants first-team football and he wants to be the, the kingpin of the team, really. Wow. I think a lot of leagues across Europe and the world will be checking to see how the Bundesliga gets on. That'll yeah. be like the test bed. And if it works well and the Bundesliga feedback and they say, right, this has worked, then it, we might have a green light for... A lot of other leagues. Um, I'm just looking at the the managers list here. So Sam Allardyce, Nigel Pearson, Kevin Keegan, Chris Hutton, Joe Kinnear, Chris Hutton again. Yeah, there you go. Alan Shearer, Chris Hutton again. Alan yeah. Pardew, John Carver, Steve McLaren, Rafa, and now Stevie Bruce. So it would have been after King Kev then. Yeah, that he would have got games. Newcastle United manager with the highest win percentage in a single managerial stint in Mike Ashley's era. Oh, Mike Ashley's era. Yeah. Um, it's probably Hutton to be fair. <laughs> it is. It is Chris Hutton. Yeah. yeah. Um, this was in his d- 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 third stint. His third spell as Newcastle United manager. Uh, Sixty-four games, thirty-eight wins. That's a fifty-nine percent win percentage. But that was the year that we were crowned champions of the championship. It's not that great, is it? Right, as Alex said earlier, if you fancy getting in touch with us, which we highly encourage, please let us know what you think of the podcast so far. You can email us at info at tottpodcast.co.uk or alternatively, you can get in touch with us on Twitter at tottpodcast. Hey, that was quite smooth. Hey, get in, lad. Well, thanks very much for joining us on episode one of Talk of the Tune podcast. I hope you guys have enjoyed our kind of 
wafflings and rumblings on. If you like our content and patter, hit the subscribe button. Got many more things to talk about up and coming. It's our first kind of stab at it, so any kind of feedback would be welcomed. Will's already battered on about the Twitter handle and uh, the email address. What were they again, Will? Uh, info at tottpodcast.co.uk or you can find us on Twitter at tottpodcast. What a radio voice. Thank you. So again, thanks for listening. If you want to leave a review, please do. Also, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. It's a bye from me. We'll see you in the next one. Yes, and it's a good bye from me as well. Thanks very much for uh, for listening. We appreciate your support. And we hope to see you on the next one. Ciao. You should have seen us gunning Passing the folks along the road Just as they were standing All the lads and lasses there I was fierce as... The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Automate delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.